Hey, what a special day it is. And uh, the music, seeing these precious young families with their new children dedicating themselves and that to the Lord. But, uh, you know, also, guys, this video. <laughs> it's a special day because we all realize how special mothers are. And uh, it's my prayers. I said it earlier that uh, God would bless our mothers always. My mother's 91 years old, soon to be 92 years old. And. Uh, still has great health. Still lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, you know I've I've had discussions with pastors over the years which version of the Bible they use in the in their pulpit and what they use. And I think most of you know I use the New King James Version, but um, I'm going to tell you the Bible I grew up with was my mother's translation. I saw God's word in my mother every day of my life. To this day, the most godly person I've ever known. I have never heard my mother say a mean word or a cruel word about anybody, including her kids. And we deserved it many times. Her tender heart, her willingness to give, she served God all the days of her life in so many different roles and women's ministries and all these different things. But um, I was blessed to see Jesus Christ in my mother and my father. You know, I spent a lot of time with my mother. She was a full-time home mom. And... Um, as we saw in the video here, an incredibly hard job to do, and we don't thank you enough. I'm a firm believer that Mother's Day should be every day, and we just need to remember our mothers. And I was also blessed to be there the night that my wife became a mother for the very first time. And uh, I saw two births that night. Actually, there are three, probably count myself, but I saw my first daughter born. But you know what? I, I saw uh, a mother become a mother for the first time as well, too. And I'm here to tell you there's just something very special about seeing your wife or seeing your mom love their children. What an encouragement to us. And I know not every family is that way, and not some folks maybe grew up without a mother because something took their mother away. And so my prayers and heart are with you today as well. But it all came kind of full circle when my wife and I were now at the hospital waiting outside there to see our first grandchild. But I want to tell you that uh, the love that my wife has for her children, but also now for her grandchildren, I saw it kind of culminating during those few months of pregnancy before our first grandchild was born. We spent hours trying to figure out what she wanted her grandchild to call her. And I shared that with you before, but uh, she had all kinds of names, and I'm here to tell you um, our grandchildren call us what they figure out the first time. Her name is Mima. That wasn't anywhere close to what she wanted to be called. She wanted to have Grammy, and she may have that someday, but I remember one day she was saying, how about Mimi and Poo Poo? I said, no, I don't like those things. <laughs> I, I didn't really care. I was just excited about uh, my grandchild, and it, it is precious, and I think it's partly because we know so much more as grandparents than we did as young parents, as much as we loved our kids then. It just grows. And, um, Amy's not the same person that she was before she had children and now that she has grandchildren. There's a whole other level, level of love that I see in her and excitement about that baby. And we started buying baby clothes and baby things and looking at them probably six or seven months before the baby was born. We couldn't really buy them because we didn't know what it was going to be yet. But there's just something special about mothers. Mothers play a huge part in our lives as well, especially in our spiritual lives if they're walking with the Lord. The greatest gift that any of us can ever give to our children is Jesus Christ. There is no greater gift. 
There's a lot of things we do and spend time on to help our children develop their skills, and that's good, and that's important. But the greatest thing that we can invest in, the greatest thing that's going to have the lasting, eternal value in our children's life, that's going to set them up for success, is Jesus Christ. Nothing else is going to give them that level of success, of fulfillment, significance, sufficiency in this life. And also, listen to this, and a lot of people deal with this issue, security. But the greatest security we'll ever have in this world is through Jesus Christ as well. We were all created to become like Jesus Christ. We're here today to exalt him, to live a life in such a way as that we point other people that way as well. Today I want to look at the life of Timothy for just a second because it's a huge picture of a boy that grew up in a godly home and became an incredibly godly man. Timothy was one of our first pastors in the early church. He pastored the church at Ephesus. He followed the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul found this young man when he was in Lister, and that's where Timothy grew up and was from. Timothy was a trusted, faithful associate of the Apostle Paul. Paul led him to the Lord. Timothy traveled extensively with Paul on his mission trips. He went to Corinth, to Colossae, Colossae Philippi, Thessalonica. He went to Ephesus. He went to many of these places on his own because Paul sent him there to represent Jesus Christ and Paul, the apostle there. Timothy had a reputation for godliness. Paul said this about Timothy in Philippians 2. He said, he had no one that was like-minded like Timothy. What a phenomenal compliment from the apostle Paul. He was apostle Paul's go-to man. The apostle Paul even called Timothy his son. He was so close to Timothy and so precious to Paul that he called him his son. Well, the question for you and I this morning is, what made Timothy that kind of man? What truly made Timothy that man? If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to see. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, as you find your way there, stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Beginning with verse 3, 2 Timothy 1, verse 3, it says, I thank, and this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Timothy pray, and Paul prayed for Timothy. Verse 4, he says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, it's going to be our focus verse this morning. When I recall to remembrance the genuine faith is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded also in you. And then verse 6, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word today. Father, I pray today, Lord, that uh, our mothers would feel affirmed. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that they'd sense your abiding presence in a powerful way. And Father, we do thank you for the gift of mothers. Father, we thank you now once again for this time as we study your word. Father, speak to our hearts. And, Father, I pray that each and every one of us today would leave this place different than the way we entered in. Father, we thank you for all these things in the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you as well. Paul sees genuine faith in Timothy, sincere faith. What does that mean? It means it's unhypocritical. If you look up the Latin for the word genuine or sincere, it comes across unhypothetical. Hypothetical. Hip, I'm sorry, unhypocritical. 
God is saying through Paul here, Timothy, your, your faith is true. Your faith is strong. Your faith is genuine. You know, it's interesting here that the grandmother Lois and the mother Eunice did not hide the faith of Jesus Christ, the faith that they had under a bushel. They let their light shine in their home. They were not ashamed of the faith, and Timothy saw this. Timothy benefited from growing up in a house where faith was the center of the realm of that house. It was the culture of that house. As we unpack this scripture today, I want to look at four qualities of sincere faith. They're in the back of your bulletin there in the little note section, but also I want you to think about this this morning. How do I kind of get focused here on raising my children? And I want to say this, it's never too late. It's never too late to influence somebody else with these ideas about sincere faith. Amy had lunch with a friend she hadn't seen for probably about a year. She's a brand new mother. Amy loves this lady. They worked together for a little while, but she loves this lady, but she realized she's not a Christian. So they had a discussion the other day at lunch. And the lady was saying, well, my, my husband's starting to come around. He wants us to baptize our baby. The baby's three years old. So Amy realized this is a perfect time to talk about baptism and what it really means. What it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Amy said she felt so firm that her friend sat there and listened to it. And she was so open to it. She said, would you mind coming over to my house one night and maybe share this with my, with my husband? Maybe bring your husband too. It's never too late to share sincere faith. There's a lot of people in this world that are completely mixed up. They have no idea really what Jesus Christ is all about. And many of them, unfortunately, don't really find that, want to find out. But we need to be that light, just like Eunice and Lois were, that the world would see a light in us and wonder, how do they have that? How is that about that family? They just seem to be so squared away, and my family seems to be in constant conflict or turmoil. How, that, how did that come about? And don't you love it when they ask you? And you can say, well, you got a few minutes. I'm so thankful you asked. Let me tell you how it happened. It's because Jesus Christ is the Lord and the master of our home. I want to share these things with you. But there's four qualities here. Number one, it's a faith that is seen. Remember verse 5 again? Timothy saw his grandmother and his mother. He saw it. But also what happened? Because he saw that faith in his mother and his grandmother. What did Paul see? Paul said that, saw that same sincere faith in him. We need to have a faith that is seen. People need to realize there's something different about that. Paul realized there's a major difference, Timothy. Paul talked to a lot of people. Paul had a lot of disciples that followed him and followed Jesus Christ. But there was something special about Timothy. What that special was, thing was, he had a sincere faith. You know, a good question for you and I. Do my children see a sincere faith in me? We've talked about this so many times over the years. Do my children see me act and perform one way when I go to church and a whole other way Monday through Saturday? I'm here to tell you, based on God's holy word also, but based on experience, your children are going to believe what they see at home. There's no more place that's more prevalent in your life that people see the real you than at home, both moms and dads. My children have been asked numerous times over the years as pastor kids, is your dad the same way at home as he is here at church? And I always curious about the answer, so I said, okay, go on. Yeah, dad, we told him yes. I'm thankful, and I'm not perfect. I fall short every day. But I want you to think about this. Our children are watching. Our children are watching. They see everything. They're going to see what's on the top of your priority list. You're going to see, they're going to see what's important to you. Do they see that Jesus Christ is important to you? Do they understand that? Is sincere faith seen in your children? That's our mission, that our faith is seen. You know, it's interesting. My daughter, Abby, you're going to hear about a couple of my kids here today. 
has the best memory. I mean, she remembers everything. She was a second child. She was a middle child for a lot of years between Jillian and Matthew, her younger brother. And so we did some reading and understood that sometimes middle children kind of get left behind or they feel like slighted. And so I think that might have been part of the characteristic that made her a watcher. She was watching. She knows everything. Dad, do you remember that time when we came home from school? We were carpooling with another family. And we came home from school that day and you had all this stuff prepared out in the front yard. I don't remember that. It was celebrating Halloween of all things because we weren't going to do Halloween the normal way. We were just going to fall harvest it in our front yard there. But my, my friends were so jealous of what we had. I didn't remember doing it. As she reminded me, I said, yeah, I do remember doing that. She watched everything. Our children are watching. They watch how you handle a crisis. They watch how you handle stress, how you handle burdens, how you handle unexpected things that come up in your life. They're watching. They're watching to make sure that, my, that their faith is true, just like their dad's or their mom's. What do your children see in you? Our faith needs to be seen. The second quality is a sincere faith, a faith that's shared. Lois and Eunice share their faith. We see this faith that we just mentioned t- passed down from the grandmother to the mother to Timothy. It's interesting here. It says this in the last part of verse 5. It says, uh, which dwelt first in the grandmother Lois and the mother Eunice, that I am persuaded is in you too. I read about this, so I pulled up uh, the message translation. I don't advocate that Bible, but the message translation paraphrases that same line. It says, as faith that was handed down. Ponder the thought about hand-me-downs nowadays. We had in our house, the two girls especially. But we had friends that handed down clothes for Matthew and for Jonathan. Hand down all kinds of things. The greatest thing you can hand down to your children is love. Love based on God's holy word. Through his holy scripture. That my children understand that the most important thing that I'll ever give them comes from this book. I want you to have God in your life. The greatest way our children are going to have God in their life is they see it in their moms and their dads. They realize, I want that. I want to have a home like my dad, like I grew up in. It's interesting here that uh, as my children went off to college, they met a lot more folks. They saw some in high school too. But they realized that that child didn't have a home like they had. They began seeing the difference. We wanted to have a home where our children felt comfortable to invite their friends over. Yeah, you've got to come to my house. We got more compliments from their friends, too. Oh, we just love being here, Mrs. Stewart. Thank you so much. Do we have a home where people are welcome? Do we have a home that we share the gospel of Jesus Christ in? Do we have a home where we pass these things down? I love what the, Paul says to Timothy later on in the same, same uh, book, Second Timothy. And this comes from 3.15. He's talking about Paul when he says this. He said that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Paul realized this kid grew up with the Scriptures. This, this kid knows his Holy Bible. This kid knows these things. This young man. You know, I want to tell you, though, a lot of times, as hard as we share, as hard as we try to lead our home for the glory of God, it just doesn't work out right. Things go a little astray. And I want you to know this. And I can testify personally today this scripture. I've shared it before with folks. You know the scripture, Proverbs 22, 6. Raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. You heard that verse, right? You know it? Raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Some of you know the story of my youngest son, Jonathan. When Jonathan was in 10th grade, he was failing every single thing at school. He'd been expelled already in the first quarter once. He'd been suspended three times. 
He just wasn't doing well. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we had all kinds of conversations at our home and some of them were pretty intense, just trying to help him get on the right track. And Amy and I were, my wife and I were considerably and, and unbelievably concerned. And I even shared with him many times, Jonathan, there's a great man inside you waiting to come out. But I don't want you to destroy so many things before you get there that you can't see that good man come out. We prayed and we begged, begged, begged God. We looked into many schools. We couldn't find one that we could really afford, private schools. Schools maybe where he could go away. God put a school in our path that we wanted to send him to. We talked to him at his Christian home. We went down and visited him down there. And then we realized that God was all over us because we got a full scholarship for our son to go there. Raise up a child in the way he should go. When he's older, he will not depart. I want you to know this today, that my son, Jonathan, is a living miracle of God. God changed his life. He is walking in a powerful way for the Lord. He realizes right from wrong. I want you to know this. He's had the highest academic average of that school for the last two years here. Amen. probably bring me to tears this morning, but took me to, I went to an award ceremony Friday night up the school. We've been impressed with the school, but as we sat there and watched young man after young man walk up front there, and all of them, like Jonathan at the beginning, came with troubled past or issues they couldn't control. They had an award there that night. Jonathan ended up getting six awards, but they had one that really touched my heart. It's called the First Lieutenant Joshua Hurley Memorial Award. Joshua Hurley was a student at this, at this school. Graduated, went on to college, and got a commission in the Army. Went and fought in Afghanistan. Gave his life. Was killed by IED bomb. His parents were there that night, and they've been doing this award for a number of years ever since Jonathan Hurley was killed. And they gave a scholarship to the young man that exemplifies what a servant's heart looks like. Jonathan won that award Friday night. God did that. Prayer did that. Trusting God for his holy promises. Maybe you have some children or a child that's kind of running in the wrong direction. Just like Amy and I, I want you to claim this verse. Raise up a child in the way he should go. When he's older, he will not depart from it. Live your lives in such a way as they realize who God is. Whether or not they want to rebel against God right now or go their own way, you continue to be that standard in their life. Continue to be God and Jesus Christ, your child. The third sincere quality here is to have a faith that is stirred. Verses 5 and 6. We know that Eunice and Lois touched and stirred the faith in, in uh in Timothy, verse 6 says this, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift. This is a picture of a campfire. You look it up and what he's describing here is a campfire. If you don't agitate it, if you don't stoke it, if you don't put more fuel on that fire, it's going to go out. So Paul says, hey, listen, I know your mother and your grandmother stirred your faith. You need to continue stirring your faith yourself. Do things that stir your faith. Do things that's going to make a difference in your life and keep your faith alive. The book of James tells us 
Be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. What a precious reminder for you and I. It also says faith without works is dead. Our children need to see their mom and dad living out and stirring their faith. The greatest thing that we can do to stir our children's faith is stir our faith. They watch that. They see that. They see mom and dad living out their faith. The greatest thing that we can do is live our faith in front of our children. Stir their faith by living our faith. It's interesting. There's many things that we can do specifically, but we need to stir up our faith. How about serving together? Several weeks ago we had a men's day here where we worked on the outside landscaping. Three or four Mr. different men brought their children. A couple of them were very young children, but they had a blast being alongside Daddy. Hey, Daddy, what are we doing next? Daddy, can I help? Daddy, I want to do these things. How about a mission trip? We took our children all on the first mission trip. Many of them have been on numerous mission trips. But I'm here to tell you, we took them to third world countries. They realized that we were blessed in America because they saw these people living in little stick houses that were covered with black garbage bags. Why not take our children out when we do mission trips around the city here? We go on mission trips, and many of you have. But I'm here to tell you, your children see what it looks like to serve God. Our children need to realize that our faith is real. I've done this for years. How about, many of you are doing it too. I've shared this several times. How about when you go to a restaurant, when the server brings your food back and puts it in front of you and say, hey, excuse me. They usually ask you, can I get you anything else? Yeah, let me ask you one thing here. Yes, sir. We're going to pray for our lunch right now. Is there something that we can pray for you about? Try that. So simple. I'm here to tell you. God's going to move in a great way. In the middle of a busy commerce restaurant here, you're going to bring God right into it. The whole world's going to stop because they're going to stop. Oh, nobody's ever asked me that before. I've never had anybody be rude. I've had a few people say, well, no, not, not anything. Really, life's going pretty good. Well, I'll thank God for that because every good and perfect gift comes from God. So I pray for them. Sometimes they stand over this. Sometimes they don't. But I have had individual after individual after individual be so struck by the comment that somebody wants to pray for them. They realize what prayer is. Many of them also realize who Jesus Christ is and God is. They just haven't had the opportunity to get serious about it. But they'll stop right there, and I hear intimate, sad, sad, burdensome stories from so many people. Things they would never share with a man on the street, but I just met them five minutes ago when I ordered a meal. But because God's right there, they want to get God involved. Oh, my grandmother's in the hospital. They don't think she's going to live. Well, I'll pray for you and your family and your grandmother. I've had them tell me so many intimate things, but it's God. We haven't, you know what happened when we started doing this when our children were real small? Walking into the restaurant, my children would say, Hey, Dad, can I do the waitress question today? I said, Absolutely. They do it. Kind of fumble around. Do you know what? Where'd that come from? They saw their mom and their dad doing that. Stirring the faith. It's huge. The fourth quality. Let's talk about them for a second. It's a faith that's seen. It's a faith that's shared. It's a faith that's stirred. The fourth quality comes from verse 7 we read here a minute ago. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Glad you asked. It's a picture here of somebody that's very timid or afraid of their faith. They're afraid to live out their faith. I'm worried what's going to happen. I'm worried that they might reject me or they might make fun of me or they might ask me a question that I don't know. Hey, your pastor gets questions all the time that I don't know. I said, well, let me get back to you. Let me find out the answer for you. And I'll get back to you. And I do. Fear freezes our faith. Fear did not come from God. Where does it come from? It comes from the enemy. We need to understand our children are going to be fearful as well. Where does their strength come from? Have you ever pondered that thought? 
Where does our children's strength come from? Same place ours does. We know it. God. But it comes from knowing who we are in God. When we live out our faith at home, when we live in such a way as point our children to God, do you know what happens? They begin to understand who they are too. They understand that they're priceless. I can't tell you today how many children are walking around and they're confused. We see it in the news and we see what they're doing in the schools nowadays. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't take responsibility for your children's faith, nobody else is going to. Okay? We want to come alongside you as ministers in the church here and Sunday school teachers. We want to help you. We're there for you. We'll support you all day. But the greatest person that's in the greatest position but also has the greatest responsibility from God Almighty personally to raise up the children and the nurture and the admission of Jesus Christ is parents. It's moms and dads. And I'm here to tell you because they live in such a confusing world and all the things they're hearing out there, they need to understand God. They need to understand who they are in God. I'm a child of the king. I'm a prince for a princess. I'm not worried about what somebody cares about me because I know what God thinks about me. But it's huge to get our children to understand these things. I'm here to tell you, if we don't do that too many times, it's so sad that our children go through half their life or three-quarters of their life or maybe their whole life with an identity problem, trying to figure out who they are, trying to figure out how can I get by in this world? How can I truly be fulfilled or fulfilled with purpose in my life? It comes from knowing who we are in God. It comes from understanding that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, is my king. And I belong to him. I'm part of that family, part of the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the holy priesthood. God has given you and I an incredible identity. But if we don't help our children understand who they are in Christ, they're not going to get it. Not going to learn it at school. A child that has a sincere faith has a faith that's seen, that's shared, that's stirred, and it's strong. We have a little plaque on our wall at home that says this, and I love this verse. It's 3 John 4. This is huge. I have no greater joy, he says, than to know that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy. I know you feel the same way. We want to see our children grow up, be successful in the Lord, maybe have an occupation they're successful in too, marry well. That's always been a huge one in my life. But even before I was a pastor, I saw so many marriages that were just really not good. They were hard and were brutal and mean-spirited. And I just prayed that my children would marry a Christian person. It's going to edify them. Are they going to have a good life in the marriage and realize they have a marriage from God? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I want to share this last thought, this last illustration, I guess. I believe our goal as parents should be to put a rock in our children's shoe. Give them something worth thinking about. Something to poke them in a good way. Because they can't ignore that. I want you to think about that. We've all had rocks in our shoes before. It's not comfortable. But I want to think about this. I want our children to have Jesus Christ. And as they grow older, even if they stray, and the pastors experience this, I'm here to tell you. God gave me that experience. I believe he gave it to me so I could share these things with you today. Train up a child in the way he should go when he's older and will not depart. I believe there was always a rock in Jonathan's shoe. He told me many times on the phone as he up there, he hated it when we sent him up there. He hated us for sending him up there. After about six months, though, he called me one night. He said, Dad, I'm sorry. 
He said, Dad, I knew I was doing things that were wrong when I was home. I just couldn't help myself. He also said, Dad, the rules they have here are basically the same rules you had. I said, well, why didn't you obey them here? Well, partly because he was away in a strange land over there. And he had not just one or two people watching over him. He had a couple dozen people watching over him and holding him accountable. And they're good people. But when our children leave the home, our children grow up. And that's a sad time, too, when you see them. How did it go so fast? They grew up here so fast. But you send them away to camp or you send them away to college or where it might be. Our heart's desire needs to be that they have that stone in their shoe. That they realize who Jesus Christ is. And they can't forget it. It's going to nudge them and poke at them in a good way. That I know where truth is. And I'm here to tell you, personal experience, Jonathan knew where truth was. He knows his parents aren't perfect. But he knew I had a home over there. And he's told us it. And I'm so thankful for that home because I know that's the right place and the right things that we're trying to do. We have an incredible privilege as moms and dads to influence the next multiple generations, to multiply our kids, and they multiply, and they influence their kids, and so on and so forth. I'm thankful to God today for moms and for children.